Are you willing to accept help? That's often the difficult question for the high functionality man or woman. Are you willing to admit complete defeat and ask and accept help? You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by Brian O'Shea. Brian is a respected recovery interventionist and coach. He's an expert in multi-generational family recovery with over 20 years in the drug and alcohol recovery field. Brian is really the guy that you go to uh, that experts bring in when they have clients that are stuck and need to start taking action in their sobriety. Welcome to the show, Brian. So glad to have you on. I'm honored to be here. It's, you know, this is an exciting conversation for me because I love the whole idea of getting unstuck in sobriety, right? Because I think, you know, I've been sober for several decades. I know you've been sober for several decades. And I think a lot of times when we think about getting unstuck, we're thinking about people who maybe are some of the clients that you have that you're doing interventions on that are deciding whether they're going to get into recovery and get sober. Uh, But it's really for the whole topic of getting unstuck and intervention is really for everyone, right? Everyone in recovery. Yes. Behavioral health challenges, psychiatric, psychological, physical, substance use, life presents, and often we become frozen. We lose our sense of resilience. We lose our sense of momentum. And an activating catalyst is necessary to create momentum for our lives and often for our families' lives. What what do you think? Do you think pain is the reason that most people decide that they're going to get unstuck. They're just sick of sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? They're just in a place where they just do not feel that they can stay in this place any longer. Yes. Certainly on the biggest moves. Yes. Pain is definitely the big catalyst for the big moves. A lot of my focus in the last five years has been helping people move to that second, third level of functionality and joy and power. And that was inspired by what happened in my life. You know, I was blessed with substance recovery in a good way. And then a few years into that, I had kind of plateaued and I was workaholic and but not really achieving what I was looking for. And then I was led into accepting therapeutic help and more spiritual help and different tactics that improve my life career-wise, biologically, psychologically, emotionally, and community-wise. Yeah, you know, I... I find it interesting because your work as an interventionist, you're seeing people probably at their worst, right? You're seeing people we would call the bottom. They're at their bottom 
and they are surrounded by family and friends and people that, you know, they probably care what those people think for the most part, even though they might pretend that they don't, there's a vested interest in that. So you're getting people that are very emotionally wrought, let's say, right. And they're, and they're there and they're ready to make a change. And they might not have identified that they're stuck in, in this pattern over and over again. But I find like in my own recovery, and you know, we've had, we, we've had conversations about this is I'm much more easily identified now that I'm stuck. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be so drastic for me. Right. I don't have to be in a lot of pain. I just, it's like, you know, maybe I'm stuck and I need some help. If there are people out there that are listening right now and they, and they resist, because I think in early recovery, I was just like, I'm not going to ask for any help. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do anything like that. Right. I'm going to figure it out for myself. What's a strategy that you use with people to help them realize that they need to kind of think a little bit bigger about where they're at? Well, that's an interesting art form. Creating unconditional positive regard, creating what I sometimes call neurological attunement, where people feel safe with me, and then gently walking them towards, are you achieving everything you would like to achieve on a personal level, on a family level, on a career level, or are you not open enough to some of the ideas that are available to you in creating an area of passion or creativity? So it's a gentle conversation. And when I think of interventions, the last few years, I've mostly done high functionality people, people who were world beaters, masters of the universe, Mm -hmm. whose families gently drifted away from them or their corporations and boards gently drifted away from them. And so it was an interesting thing where I had to walk them towards this loneliness you now perceive and receive and live in. And this one or two behavioral pieces, be it substances or behaviors that are destroying your quality of life, are you willing to accept help? That's often the difficult question for the high functionality man or woman. Are you willing to admit complete defeat and ask and accept help? You know, I think so many people, um, myself included, you know, a lot of the times there's maybe some willingness there, right. To make changes in our life, but really like we, we don't really want to surrender necessarily. We want to do what I call a parlay, right. We want to cut a deal. Well, I'll do this if I get this. And I, I bet it's hard to really kind of, you're walking a really fine line there, right? Like at one point somebody's willing, but then they're not totally willing to totally surrender. Do, do you find that somebody has to totally surrender to be able to get help with drugs and alcohol, or is it more of an unfolding surrendering? Yeah, I find that if they'll agree to the first action, then I have to earn their surrender. If the first action I suggest is appropriate, 
is helpful for them, is smart and works for them, then they'll say, okay, what's the next thing you would like to ask me to do? So I find it, especially with high functionality people, it's a parlay, exactly. It's earning their trust. You know, if the first idea helps, then they're willing to move further and further in a new direction. Do, do you find that it is, it is in your personal experience when, you're, when you deal with people who are stuck, I've found that it's typically more high-performing people, especially in addiction, that have a harder time with this because they've had so many wins personally. Even if they don't see it, they're able to get themselves out of the fire, right? They can save themselves at the last moment. They might have a particular core group of talents that people need around them. So people will put up with whatever is going on just so that they can receive those. When dealing with high-performance people, how do you present the idea of making a change and getting unstuck? Is, is it something that, you know, look, you're not going to be able to keep performing at this high level if you do this? Or is it something more like that's all they see is the performance that they do in life? They really have no life besides performing. Usually they know they're unhappy. <clears throat> they know they have a level of despair. They see some of the key people who they cherish moving away from them. And they're a little bit open to trying something new. What has changed, in your opinion, in drug and alcohol recovery as far as interventions, as far as helping people in the last five or 10 years? Because really, like we, we've talked really since the big book and Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, NA and some of those things were founded, there hasn't been, there, there's been some changes in the way that we treat people that have drug and alcohol problems, but there hasn't been these drastic shifts. And I would say, right, there's, there's small little incremental things like, yeah, your brain maybe has something to do with it. Yeah. Nutrition has something to do with it, but they haven't been big, but I've seen the last five years, there's been a lot of change as far as how people approach addiction and change. Yes, I have always been a proponent of SMART for the people who need it. I often offer the idea of SMART plus some community. You know, try what SMART offers and then also a few open meetings of some type or <clears throat> try Celebrate Recovery and then also put your foot a little bit in NA or AA. <clears throat> Another big piece is the realization that trauma is real. Grief is real. And <clears throat> the real 164 pages, they don't address trauma. They don't address grief. So I like us being open to, as that book suggests, extra help. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it is a, this whole idea of trauma, especially in intervention and how you deal with people who want to create change. And, and listen, guys, when we're talking about intervention, I think Brian would agree too. This isn't, this doesn't have to be something drastic, right? 
where you have family and you're in a hotel room and people come in. And we're not necessarily talking about that kind of intervention. It could be seeing a codependent pattern in your life. It oh, could yeah. be, right? It, it could be a friend saying, hey, you're, you're, you're drifting a little bit far away from everybody, right? It could be something very simple. It could just be a change in your own personal life where you feel that somebody needs to intervene. You need some other, you, you need some additional help or just the intervention of a new thought of the way to be able to deal with this, right? Um, it's, how- it's like turning an aircraft carrier. <clears throat> you turn it a few degrees and two days later, it's changed its course dramatically. A lot of what I do is one-on-one, very respectful, and is offering an idea. Would you accept the idea of going to a special therapeutic person or going on a 14-day intensive? Or would you be willing to go to couples counseling? Or would you be willing to look at life in a new direction? Would you be willing to participate in physical recovery or spiritual recovery in a new way with some of your key family members? Often it has to do with gently approaching the person and asking them, would you be willing to look at this one question in a new way? Can everybody do what you do with themselves? If they feel stuck, can they, can everybody like ask a question, Brian? Cause I'm looking for a big tip here, right? Like for people who are listening to this and feel they might be stuck, they might have 20, 30, 40 years of sobriety, right? Like we, we mutually know people that feel stuck that have decades of sobriety. What's something that's a question that somebody that can ask themselves or a technique that they can do to open themselves up to the possibility that there might be a new way to look at things. So the best way to practice self-discernment is to have an accountability person that you are willing to be 100% honest with and ask them, am I thinking clearly about my relationship with my children? Am I thinking clearly about my relationship with my career? So that's one thing everybody can do if they have the courage to ask for the truth from someone who has a record with them of being honest with them. The other thing is, if you are moving consistently towards despair, then that should be a sign for you that something needs to change. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think when people look at getting unstuck, they look at that first thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to choose that. I'm going to, I want to live a sober life. I'm willing to do that today. Right. So they go through treatment or they go through a 12 step program or they do, they, they, they start the process. And then soon they realize in sobriety, they're stuck again. Right. And it could be with spirituality. It could be a higher power thing. It could be just people, places, and things, right? They feel, you know, you feel stuck again. And this kind of leads to this whole idea that alcoholics and drug addicts and people who have addiction problems in general think differently, right? Um, Personally, now being recovered for decades, I actually think that the way that we think in some instances are better. I feel that we have a way to be able 
people that I find that suffer from addiction that that can get out of that and to start rebuild the life and deal with trauma and all the different issues have a great inner power to be able to lift ourselves up into new thought, new ways of thinking, new challenges in life, right? I think we're much more adaptable to that because we know that uh, in, in a way life can be very fragile because of, because of our addiction, right? So it gives us a new perspective about how to, you know, how to look at life. What, what do you find as far as people who, where are areas that people get stuck in their life? Where, where are those common areas that you see a lot? They're just, wow, we're here again. So an inability to forgive themselves is something that they need a process for. An inability to process old grief or fairly recent grief, because some of the grief occurred while we were in our maladaptive behaviors or maladaptive substance use, and we never thoroughly processed it. That grief is holding us back in some way, be it in the way we interact with career, in the way we interact with family, in the way we interact with society, though the way we do not have community. And then there's a lack of confidence and there's a lack of hope, there's a lack of joy, there's a lack of creativity. There are a couple of things that often come up and that is, will I have the courage to be vulnerable? Being vulnerable takes great courage. Being vulnerable is not where we want to go. Being vulnerable, yes, it reduces the pain, but it also reduces the joy. That you have to let go of the armor and you have to become vulnerable. So yes, you'll feel pain, but you'll feel joy. You'll feel instinct. You'll feel creativity. You will feel more of your true voice, your true self. And now you're back in the flow making better decisions on all levels, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, career, family, intuitive, finding something that can feed you a vital activating creative interest. It has a lot to do with, will you have the courage to take someone like me for a short-term goal-oriented? A lot of what I do is I provide a mirror given with unconditional positive regard and compassion and truth and accountability. Accountability, a short-term accountability to get you started and get you moving. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's three months. And suddenly you are now plugged in and the new self is activated. Remember, the unconscious and the conscious play a role. Our habits are in the subconscious. And for us to change that requires overriding that with some specific accountability, new actions, new actions create new beliefs, create new hope, create new momentum. Yeah, because I, I love what you're talking about with vulnerability. You know, you have to be willing. There has to be a little willingness, obviously. But if you have willingness and not enough vulnerability, it doesn't really work, right? Because you can't really open up about what's going on. And the reality is, you know, when you're talking about grief too, is like, I found, especially in early recovery, and if there's people that are listening to this, 
that feel like, wow, okay, well, it's been two weeks. It's been three weeks. I have a night. I just, you know, I have 90 days now or 60 days, but are still feeling like they're stuck. I would say, hold on a bit, right? Because it's an unfolding process. It's not going to happen. Getting unstuck isn't going to happen in two seconds. It, it, it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, and I think the whole thing that you tapped on with this vulnerability and grief too, is a lot of people, I think in early sobriety, it takes time for them to wake up to the fact that they've lost their biggest friend, which is drugs and alcohol, even though it didn't work for them at the end, it probably worked well for them or somewhat well or filled that gap their whole lives. Right. So and, now this realization have, that that's not going to work. We have to have a grief process around letting go of that life, letting go of that life. We have to actually have a grief process around that. And the other thing to remember, to be gentle with yourself takes great courage. The other thing to remember, I think right now why coaching is more important, specifically short-term unstuck coaching to keep you moving this pandemic has changed the way we interact. We are not going to as many in-person events. We are not traveling in the same way. Where we might before 20 years ago, 10 years ago, we would find someone, find someone, go to a special retreat, meet a new author, find somebody who had an answer that we needed. A lot of that has been robbed for us. I would respectfully submit to anyone's consideration, be gentle with yourself, especially about the impact of this pandemic and say, perhaps it is a wise idea for me to reach out, access some extra help, access some new ideas. This pandemic has reduced my momentum and my connection to a lot of the resources that perhaps I could have had it been a different era. Exactly. And I think, I, I think that we you know, realize now some of the things that have changed in how we handle ourselves, the perception of addiction is that, you know, addiction really, the problems begin for people with addiction when they let go of the substance, right? right? That's what I find. It's like, yeah, they have problems, right? Everybody has problems when they're using the substance because it's very apparent, but really the inner problems start to come when, when that is let go. And the whole process of grace that you talk so much about and, you know, I've been in lots of conversations with you. And one of the things that I really love about your approach is that you do have an inner kindness to yourself and others, right? Like just the ability to cut ourselves a break and this thinking problem that persists after the substance is put down, sometimes really the main characteristic of it is just beating ourselves up, right? Not being able to let go and just have a little bit of grace and say, you know what, I'm just going to cut myself a break. How damaging is that, Brian, for, al for alcoholics and drug addicts that, that just can't stop beating themselves up? The damaging voice, that critical voice, that hate-filled voice is perhaps our greatest enemy. And to have victory over it requires that we connect with people smart enough and kind enough to bring us towards that. You know, there's a momentum sometimes in life to go find people to reaffirm your shame, to go find processes that reaffirm your shame. I respectfully submit this is not the way 
the way is to find even-handed, conscious, careful movement so your life improves. Forgive yourself, move forward, and accept the idea that you deserve a better quality of life. And have the courage to say, that's someone who can help me. I'm going to move towards that person. Brian O'Shea, those are words to live by. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Recovered Life Show. Uh, you can find out more about Brian O'Shea actually on Recovered Life and his new show that we're doing on Clubhouse and also on Recovered Life, Unstuck with Brian O'Shea. So we can see you there, right, Brian? Please, looking forward to it. Thank you so much for coming on the Recovered Life Show. Thank you, Damon. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.